starting off a Tuesday afternoon here on the Muster on Hokanui with Jeff Grant. He is these days a Northern Southland farmer, amongst other things. Jeff, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Andy. Uh, the weekend treated you well there at Balfour, I understand. Yeah, it was a lovely day at 18 degrees, and um, the ducks seemed to be moving around the ponds pretty good. We're starting off today regarding the ETS revamp. Um, now, this has just been a nightmare all the way through, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, I look on a personal sense. We're looking at we were looking at a block in our lesser of planting over the next uh, two years. South facing doesn't produce a lot of grass, and I've just been frustrated by the continual changes around trying to get clarity about what you could do. I, to give you an example, what's happened now is the MPI have imposed the fees back on again in terms of uh, if you wanted to plant in that block, is it would cost you $1,800 to register it, which is equivalent to about the first four years of your credits. And so, you know, the incentive to do it is rapidly disappearing. And I, Whereas if you planted it in pines, it would only be about two years because the pines get a far higher ETS credit rating. And so there's no sort of consideration about the biodiversity or the incentive to encourage farmers to look at taking off rough blocks of land and putting it into native trees, which in my view would be useful to do. But um, there's no certainty about the scheme, and that is frustrating. And so I support you know, the agriculture industry guys saying we don't want to go into an ETS system in terms of the total farm program, and um, it can't even sort out the tree one, so I struggle to see how we're going to sort out the rest of it. You'd hate to have a game of rugby against these organisations because they'd be forever moving the goalposts. <laughs> it would be like the International Rugby uh, Board continually changing the rules every three months. Yeah, it's just born out of frustration for a lot of people, though, was it not? And just something else just to think about. Well, the problem is planting trees is a long-term decision. And, uh, you know, I think there needs to be some certainty across no matter which governments and at the time. I mean, this is continuing to be a frustrating outcome because, you know, 2025 we're supposed to be all on these programs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, free trade agreement, it's a tick for one, but it's difficulties for the others. Yeah, look, I, as many will know, the UK one actually got pushed forward and so the 31st of May's kick-off date, and, which is really great uh, you know, lining up for the next season for the industry guys especially in beef because it gives us the capacity to have more access, but the EU one which is not supposed to start until 2024. So while we've got the agreement in principle, uh, they're still working through, but they've had a bit of a breakthrough. The European uh, Commission got stuck with one of the, the European Parliament sort of come pushing back on the NZ's free trade agreement. And this is around the ability to record information about where the animals came from and what... Uh, risks the worst. So what they're trying to do, the European Union is trying to deal to South America and South Asia around uh, deforestation and saying, you know, if land's cleared and beef are then raised on that land, well then they don't want it to be part of the free trade agreement. So New Zealand's got caught up in this and the documentation requirements are quite quite rigorous. So you have to record where the animals came from, what, what that property actually does and all that sort of stuff. Well, the Europeans recognised that um, and they've removed sheep from that requirement. This beef's still there. Uh, but they're talking about beef 
they'd only do a 10% order of all the beef that came from New Zealand where they might do 90% order from Brazil. But it doesn't matter whether it's a 90% product audit or a 10% product audit, you're still going to have to have every company recording this information. And so that, that cost, you know, for the exporters will obviously land back on farmers and will require quite a bit of detail. And I think that uh, if we could get down to a zero inspection on the basis that New Zealand was accepted as being high-end in terms of its production and the conservation requirements that have been met, well, then that would be great. But So there's still quite a bit of work to go there. Do you think all the work we're trying to do at the moment, Jeff, though, is going to work in New Zealand's favour down the line, as you alluded to, that then we oh, can look, be... Look, I think, for a start, we're lucky. Um, New Zealand, both in the UK and the European one, have been recognised in terms of the programmes that have been operating, both by regulation and legislation, in terms of uh, climate change. So I... You know, as a, as a country, we're well recognised. There's now this whole, whole difficulty of getting into the detail of verification. And so, I, while yes, we are, and you know, if I'll give you an example, for sheep meat going into the UK, historically about two percent was inspectable by an export certificate concept. Um, but if we if we were going to add to that for the European one, this whole requirement around climate change, it would have quite an impact in terms of what you have to do. Yeah, look, New Zealand is well acknowledged in my sense. So as far as what we import from the UK, though, what do we actually get from them? I read somewhere it's likes of gin, chocolate and caravans. What do we get from them as such? Uh, look, there's quite a lot of manufactured goods, you know, Land Rovers through to uh, vehicles and also uh, a lot of, uh, you know, precision tooling and all that sort of stuff. So our, our trade from the UK is quite high. Um, and... That has effectively a zero tariff coming in. Just finally, Jeff, field day happening at Balfour tomorrow with Clint Rissman working on nitrogen. I believe Thriving Southland's involved with this, which you're involved with yourself. It's an organisation we get on the must and we're off for the night. A lot of great work going on. Yeah, look, I, th- this is a really interesting one. It's uh, at Brendan Stevens' um, dairy farm at Wainui, just uh, out of Balfour. Clint's been doing a work on nitrates leaking into the Waimea and Longwood streams, and uh, one of one of the sort of scope has come through, which is becoming quite a clear evidence in terms of a lot of these problems in terms of streams, is that the landscape or the land that is actually underneath us is probably the bigger contributor than necessarily the activity on top, and that is. And some of these free draining soils that are really starting to understand how fast these nitrates move through. And the work that uh, Clint's going to, to talk about tomorrow shows that actually the area in, in Balfour that's uh, causing some of this problems is quite small. And so the ability to find mitigations over the next decade or so um, would show that it would be quite high. Yeah, the no, interesting thing is that the, the entrance of those two streams, the Waimea and the Longridge, were the big contributors into the nitrate levels here. Um, as you go further back up, the nitrate levels in these streams is very, very low. Uh, it only accumulates over a short period on both streams. Just a continuation of the good work we are seeing on farm. Jeff, appreciate your time as always. Cheers. Catch you again. Jeff Grant there. Always good to get his musings on a Tuesday afternoon.
As is our next man, his name is Grant Disaster McMaster, farming at Closeburn Station, uh, near Lake Wakatipu, plus some dog trial results as well. Thanks for the team at RB. That's up next, Tuesday afternoon.